It's April 16th, 2010. I'm Mike Benedetti. This is 508, a show about Worcester. Hi, Brendan. Good morning. We have no other guests today. Just me. No, maybe some people will come by. Um, the top story of the week... Oh, this is 508, a show about Worcester. This is a show where we try to talk about Worcester, and we try to uh, be fact-based and not insult people's intelligence. And I don't know... We've we, the last week's show I thought actually was a good show. Yes. I, we had very controversial statements about various things. I should bring up the skull mm-hmm. that last week um, several of our panelists argued that the police should be, that one argued that the police should not be investigating the discovery of a skull in the woods near Worcester. That was not me. That was not him. And the other one who was him was arguing that people shouldn't be that afraid of this skull being found. I guess the argument being that it's better to live in the neighborhood where the bodies are found than where the bodies are killed. I think that's a that's a fair way to state it. Yeah, but okay. more so just that you know, think bad things happen, and we can't get all crazy when bad things happen. We play them out and see what happens. We've got a little bit more information about the skull now, uh, possibly race and uh, some medical history on the person. We yeah, will so, probably narrow down the list of uh, potential missing persons and so, one step closer. Yeah, so it looks like this is a. Uh, they say it was a black woman who, um, in the, sometime in the last seven years, had like some kind of brain surgery or something. Yeah, some kind of surgery. A brain flap. Uh, a skull flap, I'm sorry, where you have to <clears throat> remove part of the skull to okay. release pressure from an aneurysm. Yeah. And that came out in the paper a couple of days ago. I don't think there's anything in the today's paper about it. So um, it's sort of interesting that, I don't know, maybe this person came from a long ways away. But uh, So the person died within the last seven years. This mm. isn't like a 150, 200-year-old skull or anything. Uh, so there you go. And I actually would say I'm on the side of those who say that if the police are going to do anything, this kind of thing is the kind of thing they should be doing. Because I, I don't know either. that the yeah. community, I don't know that the neighborhood association is well equipped to do a skull investigation. I don't think we are at all. No, this is, I think this is exactly why we have law enforcement to handle investigations that I wouldn't know where to start on. Well, <laughs> you and I wouldn't. I've watched Law and Order, so I know, right. I kind of know where to start on these things, but they're, they've, watched, they've watched all of them. CSI Miami, I don't think that would be enough for you and I. They even, like, they even like the non-Jerry Orbach <laughs> episodes. Um, <laughs> the other big piece of news this week... Um, uh, which I don't think has been also hasn't been reported in the Telegram Gazette, which is that Clark Unite, the student group who's been trying to support uh, cafeteria workers, mm-hmm. food service workers at Clark who want to unionize, um, has had a, has like had a victory. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, I guess that the way it works is that Sodexo, which is the company that runs the cafeterias and the food service at Clark, uh, fires everybody over the summer every summer and then rehires them in the fall because they don't really need them over the summer. So the concern has been that. Sodexo would basically say, who are the troublesome pro-union workers? Mm -hmm. Like, ha, we won't rehire them in the fall. And that even if you didn't rehire some critical mass of them, you could sort of use that summertime break to kind of throw the, you know, just as a, a, you could sort of throw the political balance Mm -hmm. on unionizing. So um, yesterday, Clark Unite announced that um, the uh, the Sodexo has agreed to rehire everybody in the fall. Everybody who's being everybody who's working now mm-hmm. at Clark in the food service will be rehired in the fall. So yeah, good job, Clark Unite. There's actually there's actually a victory there from all these protests and whatnot. Um, uh, claiming victory, although not necessarily having victory, would be the Tea Party in Worcester, who have like a success we were victorious we had a demonstration thing we talked about this last week this lowering the bar for success by saying we had a demonstration um 
Yeah, so uh, I went by the Tea Party yesterday at 4.30, and there was about, I would say there was less than 1,000 uh, uh, Tea Party people, and there was maybe 20-odd uh, counter-protesters there. Um, I talked to one guy who was one of the so-called anti-capitalists mm-hmm. who were mentioned in Worcester Magazine as being down there, um, who hopefully will stop by and be on today's show, but isn't here now. Uh, and he said he, his experience was kind of a drag. He was basically going up to people and, like, Handing them anarchist literature. Some of it was uh, interesting anarchist literature that had sort of been customized for the Tea Party crowd. Um, <clears throat> basically saying, like, we think that your rage against the state is awesome. We think that you should consider sort of more, uh, maybe a smarter and more fact-based critique than that of Glenn Beck. Mm-hmm. Um, or you should consider other alternate critiques. Uh, and so uh, I guess he's, I mean, generally a bad experience handing out flyers. Maybe, you know, not, nothing really to say. Um, my experience going down there and just sort of hanging out for a little bit was that, like, this is totally as boring as an anti-war rally. Like, these speakers are just totally as boring as anti-war speakers. <laughs> good job. So, like, good job, good job, American right, for having that little... I actually I can think of very, I can think of a handful of good anti-war speakers, I think, uh, who I've seen um, at non-Worcester. Actually, at Worcester rallies, we had some reasonably good anti-war speakers. Sure. I remember we had, we actually had a great one. I remember we had a, there was a big anti-war march downtown in 2006 or 2007, and I remember uh, uh, Father Buffaro, Michael Buffaro of, um, of uh, uh, Lady of Mount Carmel Church mm-hmm. was one of the speakers and got up there, and he was like, we've heard a lot of rhetoric, and we've heard a lot of things tonight, and one thing we haven't done is we have not heard anybody exhort us to pray, and I think praying against this war is one of the most important things, and all the people around me were like, Arr, Christians, but it was so it was good to have that kind of uh, that kind of uh, unexpected uh, thing there. But yeah, anyway, not not that the purpose of the Tea Party is to be interesting to me or be interesting to anybody. It's a, you know a show of political whatever. Sure, but you would think that a part of the message would be trying to recruit uh, new members or uh, like-minded folk by pointing out that we're over here and maybe you share our same views. I don't think they did a very good job of that because they weren't. Uh, they were talking to themselves. Uh, it wasn't a lot of uh, communication. You should, take your, you should take your hat off. Oh, you don't want to see what's underneath there. Um, yeah, I mean, there wasn't a lot of outward communication. It was they were they were talking to themselves. It was insular communication. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think they've done a really good job, which probably explains why the numbers dwindled a little bit from last year to this year. Uh, I think it's getting it's a movement's getting more insular as opposed to bringing more folks in from the outside. Yeah, um, uh, you know, uh, um, one thing Jeff Barnard pointed out was that the photos in the TNG photo listing. Um, you know, sort of credited where the people were from, and that they're mostly non-Worcester people. Yeah, I mean, it's um, classic, classic astroturfing, which I think well, is Well, you know what, though? I don't, I have to say, like, when we do, like, um, I would say, like, I'm trying to think of an example of, like, a regular annual protest that's small enough that I know where people are from in Worcester. Mm-hmm. It would be, like, the uh, uh, commemoration of the bombing of Hiroshima that sure. we do every year. Like, half those people are from outside Worcester. Now, this was sort of, <laughs> was remarkable in that it was, like, the TNG's thing was like 90% of well, the people yeah. they talked to were outside But when Western. I say it's astroturfing, I don't necessarily mean it in a negative sense. I mean, that's that's a, a part, the, the term means something because it's a part of political organizing. Uh, and, and I think it's a, a successful and an effective part of, you know, aspect of political organizing. Uh, it might be a little shady at times, you know, when you get into like primary season and what have you. But what I think is interesting is that the Tea Party movement refuses to acknowledge that there is astroturfing going on. I mean, Main Street yesterday where people were parked or the parking lot of the Crown Plaza was just loaded with, with upstate New York plates and 
Connecticut plates, Rhode Island plates. I, at the Abbey uh, yesterday, at the Armsby Abbey, I ran into a couple guys who were from the from down south. I mean, somewhere down their accents were from somewhere down the Mason below the Mason Dixon line, uh, and they were up for the rally. I mean, it, it appeared that they were like long haul truck drivers or whatnot that were stopping in at this particular oh, cool. rally because of where they were. But uh, for the organizers to try and suggests that everybody uh, lives in 01602 or 01609 is just absurd. And, right. and it's okay to say that you're bringing people in from the outside. I mean, that, that's you have more to, to your credit. Somewhere. Right. You're not going to have this You're not going to have this rally in Clinton, right? You're not going to try to get <laughs> 2,000 people yeah, in Clinton. Yeah, one in so. Clinton for the, those 10 people and one in Sterling for those three people. I mean, you're right. bringing people together. That's excellent. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing is not so much that this may... There's nothing illegitimate about this. I think the interesting thing is just that it's like the city where the rally is held... Mm-hmm. Seems like statistically, despite being you know a third of the population of the county or something, right. is like a tiny a tiny. It seems like it was a tiny fraction of the people there, based on the TNG photo, which yep. may not be a statistical thing, but the TNG photos. And a friend of mine who biked by, who asked people like, mm-hmm. "Where are you from?" Who got no Worcester responses based on asking half a dozen people? Mm-hmm. So. Well, I mean that is the well, Connie Lukes was there, so that's at least one person from well, Worcester. No, we know um, people from Worcester were there. I'm just saying, like, were no, they statistically I, significant number of people from Worcester there? In the same way, what I think is interesting though is that that, that statistical statistical significance would probably be the same st- statistics that put uh, Worcester on the blue side of the map when it comes to state state polling. You know, Worcester tends to swing uh, more liberal when it comes to voting because of our voter base. So, I mean, right. it, your, I, I think your point it holds. It, it makes sense that they would hold it here because we're the seat of, of the uh, county or the uh, the heart of the Commonwealth, but there just aren't too many people from Worcester who are buying what they're selling, which yeah. is also fine. Well, I so I looked around yesterday. There were no misspelled signs, so good job. They had a, People probably saw that there was Worcester Magazine reported a memo that went out basically <laughs> saying, like, you know, people are making fun of us for having misspelled signs. And honestly, like, it's easy. It doesn't mean that you're stupid to misspell a sign. It means that you're stupid to misspell a sign when you're trying to encourage people to like speak English or something. Those missigns are hilarious, but anyway, and and all, don't have any racist signs. I didn't see any racist signs. Didn't see any misspelled signs. I did see there's a lot of signs that were talking about socialism and communism. Um, the, the the weird thing that I didn't get a photo of and that it wasn't reported in the paper to me was um, that there were a series of huge like early American flags, and then there was an equally huge Israeli flag right that. next to them. I'm and, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I looked, I went to Anthony Moore's blog this morning, mm-hmm. noted Worcester anti-Zionist, and, uh, and uh, not a fan of this show. I'm um, wondering sort of like, would he approve of the anti-government rage here, mm-hmm. or would he say that these people all work for the Mossad or something? Mm-hmm. And there's no comment from him on this. And I, I assume that this is why the TNG did not sort of and maybe at some point the organizers were like, "You should put this flag." It was just totally unexpected well, to me. I didn't I, expect to see. I you know I don't know. It was just it was very strange. That is one of I, I think it's like a modern paradox, right? The 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 linking between um, you know pro-Israeli forces and political forces mm-hmm. and the evangelical movement, which tends to be more represented by uh, conservative forces within the United States. And there's a really lovely marriage between those two groups in contemporary politics. But I don't think anyone would would just uh, expect to see, like you said, it was a ring of revolutionary war flags and then the final flag was uh, the Israeli flag and there was a group of Vietnam vets standing around it. Like, it just didn't make, it was absurd. It, it didn't make any sense and, and I couldn't find anyone who could explain who was part of the group like what that particular flag had to do with the other uh, revolutionary war flags. I also was having a hard time getting people to identify for me uh, which flag was which from the revolutionary war flags. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was just it was a bizarre symbol to be uh, thrown out for something that was where people were taking oaths to the constitution. I have to say, like, 
again, just to be fair, like I can, I have been to many, many lefty and anti-war rallies where there were like a ton of Palestinian flags, sure. and it's always like, what's the, why are they there? And it's it's always it's all the same issue. When you look under the covers, it's all the same issue. So maybe there's some <laughs> connection between support for the state of Israel and uh, lower taxes. I don't know. Um, moving on. <laughs> you know, there was one. There was one uh, really good example of misspellings or um, uh, just a problem with under of comprehension that, that I think the Tea Party folks fell for. And those the the folks who were there uh, protesting the the Tea Party members had a bunch of signs on the ground. And, and you were one of these people. I was one of those people. Okay. I was holding my Stephen Colbert. Uh, reality has a well-known liberal bias sign. Okay. Um, so a group came over, saw our signs, and were really excited that the Tea Party folks had extra signs. And a guy eagerly grabbed one and marched right into the crowd with the sign. But the sign he picked up, it said socialism and then the do not equal sign, or the not equal sign, capitalism, not equal uh, fascism. And he, what he thought it was saying was, you know, it was, uh, you know, a no uh, socialism, no fascism, no, no uh, communism sign. But he carried that for a solid hour and a half around the crowd and then brought it back to us and returned it. Uh, so it, maybe they didn't they didn't misspell their own signs, but they were uh, eager to pick up uh, signs protesting their movement and carry them to the crowd. Maybe he was frustrated by this whole like socialism thing. I mean, maybe he bought the sort of line that like you're going to have a generation of socialists because you're going to have a generation of people who grew up thinking socialism is um, sort of like <clears throat> moderate policy from a popular president, <laughs> and sort of like and sort of go you know and not remembering like the Cold War or any of this stuff and coming at it from a whole fresh perspective. Moving on. Oh, I, we should mention the numbers too. So Jeff Barnard pointed out that the Heldergramming Gazette Live blogged this, yeah. and he, which he felt was a milestone, and I don't think, <laughs> I think was, I think is five years overdue. Welcome to the future. I welcome to the future. I think it's interesting that these guys are using Cover It Live rather than using either Twitter or mm -hmm. installing their own like Status.net right. installation. I don't understand why what Cover It Live is really giving you besides making your thing. This complicated slow. flash based slow thing that you don't own any of the content in because it's locked away in a little box. Um, it's interesting that uh, Sean Sutner on the live blog estimated that there were more. He, during the thing, he said there may be more than 5,000 people here. And then at the end, he had sort of a PS saying, like, okay, there's probably like 2,000 people here, maybe getting a little carried away. Um, it was interesting that the, uh, yeah, because the, the, the Tea Party website has a thing saying, the Telegram is that because that's going to report that there's 5,000. And in fact, they reported that there's a little over 2,000. Their estimate was 2,500 to 3,000 from the, from the Tea Party organizers. I think this is interesting because um, last year's Tea Party, I think the number to beat was sort of the number of people who had been at the 2006 pro-immigration rally mm -hmm. in Worcester, the May Day rally. And that number was about 2,000. And last year, I think that maybe probably less than 2,000 uh, was the was the reasonable estimate for the Tea Party. And so this year, it seems like there was more. Seems like they may have finally beat that number. Mm -hmm. But these numbers are all also like nobody's doing. People are not not good at judging, you know, spatial orientation. It's really when it really comes hard. Bodies, right? It's really hard. My I think my guess is that that's about right. But it's it's amazing to me that you can that like pocket cameras now have like I think they have smile recognition I mean they, they have face recognition yeah. a pocket camera like it'll they count smiles yet, and they won't take a photo of people's eyes are closed they can also do that like in your pocket camera cheap mm -hmm. pocket camera so it's amazing to me that there's not a, like a little there's no open source app or commonly owned app or something that the GNG could buy which is a count heads in this crowd app mm -hmm. and just say within 5% Here's how many people were here based on us being on top of a skyscraper taking a photo. Because it seems like that, it, this is like not a hard thing. It's just that nobody wants to do the work. Right. Um, how are we doing on time? We get, we're about like halfway through the show. Um, do you have any other thoughts on... 
I mean, you, so you guys had, there was a couple thousand people there who were for the Tea Party, and there was a couple dozen people there who were against the Tea Party, and yeah. I mean, maybe another dozen people who were wandering through the crowd proselytizing about anarchism. Yeah, and there were a fair number of people, too, who were just uh, sightseeing. Uh, ran into more people who were politically neutral, uh, had no interest in, in, in either side of what was taking place, but were just fascinated with that particular crowd. And I think a lot of it came from that email that went out earlier in the day that uh, Worcester Magazine reported on. Uh, if you have to send an email to your followers reminding them not to be racist, bigots out in public, it sets an interesting tone for the way the public is going to perceive your, your presence in, in their community. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think it was a great opportunity for uh, basic question answering, too. I know there was a couple folks walking around asking people if they believed that Barack Obama was actually a citizen. Uh, the final tally that I heard from people who were willing to actually respond was uh, one uh, was uh, 13 people who did not believe that he was a citizen and one person who did not really care that he was a citizen uh, only because he had done his research and uh, realized that um, John McCain may not have uh, been oh, born in the, the, canal zone. the canal zone in a timely fashion, so he didn't want to argue the point. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, there was some, it, what, I thought, what I thought was interesting, having been to some other similar um, political rallies that could have been uh, combative or, you know, just a, a lot of verbal exchanges. People stayed very separate this time. Uh, it, it, people were not looking to get engaged in, in any sort of debate or whatnot. Um, the, some of the staff from the Tea Party crowd um, were carrying, I, I guess, pulling the, the, the trick that people usually pull on them. They were carrying, like, pocket cameras and whatnot, mm -hmm. going around trying to interview people who were protesting them. And, but the questions that they were asking just were nonsense. Uh, mm. They weren't doing a really good job of engaging. So it seems as though the message was do not engage <laughs> more than anything. Hmm. Uh, just pay attention to the speakers and, uh, and and ignore the folks standing around you. Well, impressive discipline. I want to move on to this Walmart article. Worcester <coughs> Magazine highlighting that Walmart is coming into Worcester soon. Uh, I actually ran into an old housemate of mine on the on Main Street uh, a few weeks back mm -hmm. who works at the Lester Walmart. And she's like, I know you're an anti-Walmart person. What do you think of this Walmart coming in? And I just want to say, first of all, I have no, I'm not going to, I have no judgment against anybody who works at Walmart. That seems like a fine career to me. Um, this article basically talking about how local business owners are not concerned about the Walmart coming in, that nobody's really concerned about the Walmart coming in. And the only local business people they talk to, I guess, is Steve Jones D'Agostino of Worcester Local First, who's a reasonable representative, but there's not like a lot of quotes from people like this. Um, I was disappointed by that, actually. Um, and then there's two people who have shops near the Lester Walmart right. who are, feel like it's been not a problem. Um, I think that that's kind of a I don't really understand. I don't know. I look at something like this, and I think I would like to at least see some pseudoscience here. I would like to see, like, because uh, I think that there's a selection bias there that obviously you can't interview anybody who has a store near the Lester Walmart, which has been closed because of the Walmart, right. because how do you find those people? Right. Um, I, and I actually had wished that they would have had, like, five Worcester businesses go on record as saying, we don't care about the Walmart. Like, mm -hmm. cause what, you're not going to go out and say the Walmart's going to destroy us. You have to keep, just like the guy who has the pharmacy right across the street from the CVS over here, who's like, ah, it's not going to be a problem. Probably the CVS is going to bring in more customers. Probably not, but, you know, you got to keep a, a, a positive view. Um, I think, like, honestly, I would like to see, like, a Jim Collins good to great style pseudoscience here. And maybe Worcester Magazine can do this. This is why I'm saying this now. Um, that they could find five businesses who are within five miles of that Walmart and then five, five control businesses in central New England who are not within 20 miles of any Walmart, which are similar, and then just look at them on an annual basis or every six months and say, are, they, are the businesses still here? What's going on? Um, uh, what, what is your thoughts on this article? <laughs> well, no, I, I have a similar <clears throat> feeling about uh, the need for more actual data. It's one thing for uh, businesses to come out and say, you know, either we haven't been affected or we don't plan on being affected, but it really doesn't make any sense. 
just on the surface of things, right? I mean, Walmart isn't in the business of creating demand. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they're selling goods to somebody, they have to be good. I mean, at least in theory, the majority of those goods have to be goods that would have formerly been purchased elsewhere. Because they also didn't, you know, uh, they didn't create the market for cheap mini blinds. Uh, so everything that someone goes to Walmart to buy, in theory, should have been, prior to their existence, bought somewhere else. And so that has to be, at least in, in theory, affecting somebody else's bottom line. Uh, it could be that there's people who are just traveling to Oxford, to the, uh, the the old Walmart, right? But even before they opened, then somewhere, someone down the line had to be affected. It only makes sense, unless they are actually creating demand, which would be fascinating. I mean, we may, may have actually figured out how to, how to fix the economy. We just open more stores and a store on, on everybody's front lawn, and people will suddenly start buying more stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think there was something missing there uh, in, in this notion that, you know, Walmart is no longer a threat to local business. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, I could buy that if the argument is that somehow the big box stores, I mean, there's already a ton of big box stores around. There's already plenty of Walmarts in the sure. region that you could say, if your business is going to get hurt by a Walmart, it's been already been hurt. Yeah, no, there's, and, and Walmart came to this region late. I think they said somewhere in the mid-90s or so is when they yeah. started uh, opening up in the area. So there's definitely an argument there that the businesses who, who could have been killed off would have already been killed off, but that isn't necessarily a pro-Walmart argument either, that, okay, we've already decimated our, our local economy, so now it's okay to, to bring in, in Walmart. Um, I, I just think that they're, they're, it's one of those things you need a more critical eye. Uh, you know, typically, business uh, is good at growing organically, you know, like starting small and, and, and kind of growing as, as, as demand increases. Uh, and when it comes to box stores, we, we seem to not mind this idea of taking a huge force and plopping it down into an existing economy and then you know, closing our eyes and pretending that that can't be a disruptive force, which just, again, doesn't make any sense. You know, you, you can't, it, assuming that demand isn't created by the, the existence or the creation of a, a new business, it doesn't make any sense that these stores wouldn't be a disruptive force on some level. Well, it was good to see that they talked to Shannon Sr. in there, who sort of yeah. ran the anti-Walmart effort. Um, and they talked a little bit about how there never was that much Walmart opposition. I think that part of the reason for this, that they don't go into in the article, I mean, part of the reason maybe that people don't care about Walmart. This is totally legitimate. Part of the reason, too, is that by the time that by the time that people sort of knew that this was going to happen, like by the time that this was like widely known within among activists in Worcester, mm-hmm. and this is totally the fault of activists in Worcester and people in Quincy Village for not communicating to the larger activist community. But by the time it, it was basically at like the final, the final, just like we're just going to sign this thing. Like everything else had been worked out behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So there was no plausible promise of stopping this Walmart. Right. Like Shannon did an amazing job of like building this <laughs> on opposition and dragging things out and getting lots of people involved in this. But you know, when I was involved in the early part of this and then was out of town for a while at the later part of this, so I missed that part. I can only speak to the mm-hmm. part I was there. That um, when people would say, like, well, what are we doing fighting Wal- to fight Walmart here? Like, I would honestly have to say, like, you're not going to – there's really nothing that you can do at this point. Like, we're just sort of, like, trying to make sure that there is some opposition on record. Right. But unfortunately, there's not a lot you can do. Yeah, so yeah. I have to wonder if maybe if – I don't know. Yeah, the only if, options that they had to when it, the, the announcement was really made – like you said, because the development or the, the planning had already been done, it had already been approved, it was finding endangered salamanders or, you know, nuclear waste. <laughs> so right. It was the only thing that was going to slow down the development. Yeah. Well, anyway, so there you go. So Walmart. And I have to say, too, like, again, just to be fair, for some reason I just feel like being so fair on the show these days. I, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma and mm-hmm. uh, not, not too far from the Arkansas border. So we were one of the first parts of the country to have Walmart. And I shop like going to the store when I was a kid. Oftentimes meant going to Walmart, and like I probably have shopped more at Walmart than any other store. What I'm curious so, about, it, I'm not here to ju- I'm I'm here to judge you, but not on this issue. <laughs> the one thing that I'm waiting to hear on is uh, 
Walmart seems to fit like the Worcester municipal narrative, like the city council and whatnot seems happy that they're coming in. I'm curious to see if this particular Walmart will be selling ammunition, which clearly would not fit the municipal narrative because Walmart mm. actually had just like everything else has awesome deals on surplus or bulk ammunition and I can't imagine that that is going to go over well with the no think knowing the city council right? mm. I mean I think it's great that they sell have great deals on bulk ammunition there aren't many places that you can find such things anymore but I can't imagine the city council and the chief of police are going to be thrilled about that it'll be interesting to see where those two worlds collide we love Walmart but we don't love this one thing that they do who knows well I want to run through a couple of things real quick um uh that uh uh the premiere of the local youth-made thriller, The Heist at Line Bank, is going to be on Monday. Um, almost, they're not going to be able to put this. These kids aren't going to be able to put this on the internet, unfortunately, because their parents are smart and <laughs> won't let them do this. But uh, I'm very excited about this. Uh, I'm going to put the video. Copying is not theft. After this, on the uh, TV version, this is a fun little cartoon talking about how intellectual property is a bad metaphor. Because uh, intellectual property is not property in the sense that property is property. Uh, the Worcester Veg Fest is tomorrow. We've been talking about the vegetarian renaissance in Worcester since its beginning. This is kind of a culmination of the vegetarian renaissance. Is we'll see. Real? No, well, no, we'll see. If there's more, we'll see. Uh, will there be more people at the Veg Fest than at the tea party? Hmm. If there are, I think the vegetarian renaissance is continued. Um, I think the more fair question would be, will there be more people from Worcester at VegFest than there were at the Tea Party rally? Because there's oh, yeah. probably a higher percentage of vegetarians in Worcester than there are in Clinton's. This may be like one of those areas where you have the exact I think, opposite stats. Wait, I think Clinton has... Am I thinking of Clinton has Atlantic Union College there? Is it maybe? No, I don't know. Do they? But is yeah, that I mean, in that Clinton? Might, might have been the wrong, it's a Seventh-day Adventist College. There's a ton of vegetarians there, plus I vegans. Failed. The only reason that there's not going to be a big, the only reason I think that the sh- that the chef of Atlantic Union is not going to be at the Veg Fest is because it's Saturday and Seventh Day Advance. What percentage of, of vegetarians and vegans at the Tea Party rally would have been? Had you asked? I don't know. There's always a there's always an unexpected number of right wing vegans out there, yeah. but uh, not not very high, not very high. Um, there's not a lot of vegetarians and vegans mainstream though. Tax day was yesterday. Was our tax day officially yesterday? No, our tax day is going to be May 11th. So maybe there's going to be another tea party on May 11th. Um, Let's talk about kidnapping and WCRN. We have a few minutes left. All right. Which one do you want to talk about? Let's talk about kidnapping first. Kidnapping. So we got a flyer in this neighborhood the other day uh, on Olean Street here, and I think the surrounding area uh, pointing out two attempted uh, kidnappings, which apparently happened last summer, but I don't think that they were actually kidnappings from what I've been told or wouldn't fit the classical definition of kidnapping. Uh, and it also indicated that they, they took Maybe these are just children sleeping. With weapons and what have you. <laughs> They're just children sleeping. No, I, you know, I think I have the flyer here, so I can uh, read that. You've got the better reading voice. We've, got, you wanna... we've got four minutes left. Go ahead. Read the first paragraph. Then. There have been two recent teen-on-teen attacks on the Tatnik Square area, one on Olean Street and one on Grenada Street. Both attacks involved attempted kidnapping or kidnapping. That means... Attempted or successful kidnapping, and weapons, including a knife, crowbar, shotgun, and a rifle. There you go. And then there's going to be a community meeting about this. There's going to be a community meeting uh, next Tuesday at 7 p.m. at St. Luke's, um, which is uh, the Red Door over on uh, Pleasant Street there. but yeah, it's just it's one of those things that I think is interesting because a lot of this seems in the in the as the note goes on seems to tie in problems with drinking and drugs and whatnot over at Cook's Pond, which uh, anyone who knows me knows that there's nobody uh, that could be from a geographical perspective that could be bothered more by problems at Cook's Pond than I, uh, because we live literally right on top of it, and I didn't know that there was a problem. I know that like 50- also you tape a cable access show there. right there. Yeah, you know, so I I think it's it's something where I mean the neighborhood uh, which seems to happen in cycles is uh, starting to get upset about kids drinking and 
smoking weed, and those that's going to be the end of the world. But it'll be interesting to see what happens at this meeting. I'm sure there'll be some good uh, communication between concerned folks and what right. have you. But so, so, the, so the we'll takeaway, so, so the takeaway here is not that kidnapping is not the kidnapping is a good thing. The takeaway here is let's not. Get crazy about well, it's not things that are proportion because it, what I understand of these two events is that there actually were, was not a kidnapping. There was a, like a severe beating of sorts oh, where, no. where someone may not have been allowed to, but it wasn't like someone being sacked and thrown in the back of a panel van and uh, driven to Oklahoma. Um, it was, you know, just a, a kids fighting uh, in, in a rather brutal fighting. I don't mean to, to downplay that, um, but it was not. If you live on a lean street, you should not fear that your child is going to be picked up by armed bandits and, and disappeared. It doesn't appear that that is a, a problem right now. Well, if we can touch upon something in 30 seconds here. I walked by WCRN the other day, the big plate glass <laughs> window there on uh, uh, Franklin Street. Yes. And I saw you and counts. I'm going to call him Councillor Rosen in the same sense that we would call someone President Clinton. Mm-hmm. Councillor Rosen, we're taping a radio show there. Also, I noticed that Gary has a uh, show. I thought his photo was in He is a, somewhere he has a in column here. in here now. He has a political column. There, is. there he is. Thumbs up to Gary Rosen. He also has a column in here sort of talking about why he thinks Jeff Smith is the, is going to win the uh, mm. uh, state rep seat. Anyway, so what's going on with that? Um, we'll have more to report soon, but uh, yeah, Gary and I were, were taping a, a, a demo reel of sorts for a, uh, a potential show down on WCRN. We'll see if it actually comes together, but uh, it could be some exciting stuff. Wow. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> well, Worcester, we'll see you at the VegFest. Thanks for watching. Take it easy.